Carlos, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week we're continuing our Red Carnations on a Black Grave adventure. Before we get to that, I've got a few reminders, and the first is about our live show coming up on July 6th. The Campaign Podcast is teaming up with our friends the Cryptid Keepers to put on a live show here in Chicago at Stage 773. The last time I checked, we had fewer than 10 tickets remaining. So if that's a show that you want to go to, I highly recommend you head to bit.ly slash cryptcamlive, that's C-R-Y-P-T-C-A-M-L-I-V-E, and book your tickets now. You'll be able to see Liz Anderson, Tyler Davis, Johnny O'Mara, myself, and a litany of fabulous guest performers put on a live episode of Campaign. And you'll also be able to see a live episode of the Cryptid Keeper podcast, one of my favorite shows. If you're in or near Chicago, you won't want to miss it. Speaking of live shows, Gen Con is just around the corner, and OneShot has plenty of games, panels, and live podcasts for you to enjoy. All you have to do is head to the Gen Con website and search for OneShot Podcast under events. That should bring up our full list of shows. Heroes, I wrote a new book this year. It's an advice book on how to get the most out of your narrative experience as both a GM and a player. It's got tons of instructions and advice, as well as interactive exercises and specialized game mechanics to help you play, well, more like me. And even if that's not something you want, it will definitely help you think about games differently. If you're the type of person who approaches role-playing games as an art form, I think you'll like this book a lot. It's called The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide, and you can pre-order it now by heading to bit.ly slash ultimate gameplay. It's published by Adams Media, which is an imprint of Simon & Schuster, so you'll also be able to find it at major book retailers like Barnes & Noble or your favorite smaller brick-and-mortar bookstores. So you can also pre-order by walking into your favorite retailer and asking there. The Ultimate RPG Gameplay Guide comes out on October 8th, but if you're interested in picking this book up, I highly recommend pre-ordering it because it will be doing me a huge favor. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. So, Dira, I guess you're next. Do you mind just reading off the titles for the posters again? Oh, sure. The Republic is in Danger, which is about uh, workers must be prepared to stop in the event of an attack. Uh, The Call for Francteur, which uh, are snipers that the commune is asking for. And Building the Barricades, which is a desperate cry for workers to help build the defensive barricades in the city. Let's do a scene with Marie and with Louise. Louise was outside of the wine shop, passing out a bunch of different flyers and like orders and things, organizing all these different things throughout the day leading up to all of this. And I think Marie has decided to bring a little bit of wine out to all those people sort of putting things together Uh, and a little bit of an effort to sort of figure out what's going on and learn a little bit more about what the state of everything is. So where would Louise be like housed now? Where's her base, basically? If we're doing this a little bit later than uh, the first day, she has uh, commandeered um, a a church in the area. And uh, they have taken it back over. And so she's doing a lot of her lecturing and other things there. But she does have like a desk set up near the entrance where she is uh, working. However, uh, I'm sure she also gets up and walks out every now and then down the street to get some bread or some wine to drink. Well, I think... Marie arrives at the church, plops a big crate onto Louise's desk and goes, they're not really going to have much of a use for this sacramental wine anymore. Uh, no, not at all, Citizen Mashalom. Uh, the sacramental wine can be used for better purposes. Um, please, Marie, sit down. So what all is going on if, if there's... There's talks of election. There's talks of all sorts of things. Well, citizen, the people's long slumber is at an end. It's is what I would say to my classes, or or if if Felix drops by to give me that interview that he said he was going to do for our paper. But in truth, what's happening is that for the first time, maybe in all our lives, 
we're masters of our own destiny. Doesn't that sound so right? It sounds almost a little too good to be true. Marie uncorks one of the wine bottles <laughs> and grabs two vessels that are nearby that were probably for originally religious purposes and pours them both cups. Well, citizen, I didn't say that they would come for free. We have received a... And she kind of looks back over to where the crucifix was hanging and says, I suppose you would call it a blessing, but uh, it's just the first phase. Do you not remember what they said in the American Revolution? A republic, if you can keep it. And now it is our task to keep this republic. This has to be a place where people can, can live. Do you know what I mean? This is our chance to be human beings. It's wonderful. Hmm. You seem doubtful. Marie. I'm just worried. There's still the Prussian army mucking around a bit. I, I don't want to let myself get caught up in all of this. Ah, Marie, you were not there the other day. The, the, they ordered the troops to shoot at us, but they would not shoot at the wives and the mothers and the daughters of, of France. Why would they do that? If they try and send soldiers against us again... I think they shall become our comrades. I'm not saying that it will be easy because, because Thiers is a monstrous little man and he will attempt to take back what he has lost. But for now, for now, I think we should just take pleasure in knowing that for once, brotherhood won out. This is not very good wine. I, I feel sorry for the priests. It's it is I, atrocious. I don't understand how they were toasting their savior with this stuff, but I'm sure it'll be better when we give people real wine. Well, perhaps we can pour this over the walls. Good Lord, this stuff is so dreadful. If, they, if it fell on them, they would no doubt fall down in, in absolute disgust and terror. <laughs> I'm, I won't say don't worry. I, I will say have hope. It's better than faith. Hope. And Marie has a bit of a smile on her face as she leaves. Oh, I get to follow that, huh? Okay. I'd like to see Camille, Lodoiska, and Tariq. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. And this is up on the, uh, on the uh, defensive walls of Paris, because in this period of time, Paris was like a seriously fortified city. It was no joke. They had like, you know, a dry moat around the city and everything. It was impressive as hell. So up on the walls uh, where Tariq and Lodo have their duty, uh, poor Kimi comes popping up, his little newsboy cap, and stands at attention in front of them, salutes sharply, and says, uh, Citizens, recruit Camille Mercier arriving. I desire to be instructed in the use of firearms so that I may defend our city. Firearms, you say? I don't believe you'd be able to hold the gun up unless you leaned it against the side of the wall. That is not true. I, I have seen that the cavalry soldiers use little guns. I mean, shorter guns. I, I, like you, Tariq, you use a, what do they call them, a carbine? I, I could shoot that, I think. You hear that, yeah, Tariq? <laughs> you would be able I to think, hold your gun. I think when, uh, yeah, when Camille is saluting us, uh, Tariq actually salutes as well. And is that what you wish? You wish to kill for Paris? Well, no, I mean I wish I wish to defend Mama and and, and you, Lodo, from from you know from from the the, the bad people, the ones Louise calls capitalists or, or, or the emperor or something. I, I I'm not entirely clear who is coming, but I know that probably someone will and I I, I want to be part of it. I am almost a man. You are, and you're a fast runner. I remember seeing that. You ran to the front of the crowd before everyone else. I I didn't realize you had noticed, but thank you, Tariq. Tariq that's has what we quite an eye. <laughs> I do. They call me Eagle <laughs> Eagle Eyes Tariq. Old Eagle Eyes Tariq, they say. <clears throat> Indeed. And that's what we need. We need a speedy messenger in our troops. Do you think you're up to the task? Do I get to wear a uniform? I turn over to look at Lodoiska. <laughs> we could find a blue coat, but I do want to check. Camille, 
Amanda sent you to do this, yes? My mom knows that I am interested in defending the city. I'm sure that, uh, I'm sure she'd approve. Mm. She's, she's very patriotic, you know. I know her patriotism quite well. Part of the revolution, though, is schools, as I seem to recall. I, I know how to read, and I, I, I know how to count. I can do multiplication. Division is very hard. But I can, I can do many of these things. And I, I, that's more than enough. I mean, as long as I can count the number of bullets in my, in my cartridge sack, I, that's all I really need to know, right? Tariq, show Camille your hands. And Lodoiska says this as they reveal their palms to Camille as well. These hands are the hands of people who have not spent much time counting and spent even less time reading. These hands look this way because people used to force us to do other things. But you, you are a child of Paris now, a Paris that owns itself. These hands do not have to be your hands. But, but my hands are as good as any other's hands, aren't they? Indeed they are. Indeed they are. But they could hold a pencil. They could, but they could hold a pen. They don't need to be stained with blood. Lodoiska, if the boy wants to help, we can let him help. There are many ways for the boy to help. If Amanda says this is what Camille is going to do to help, then that is one thing. But if you've come here on your own initiative wanting to help, I think there are other better ways for you to help. I would be ashamed to have to hide behind my mother's skirts in the time like this, citizen. But since you insist, I suppose we can ask Mama together tonight. <laughs> and I slap you on the back. Lodoiska <laughs> <laughs> sighs and takes out something to smoke and just looks over the wall towards Camille, perhaps... Come here. I lift Camille up so Camille can sit on the walls with us. Okay, that, that, that feels very seamy to me, so... <laughs> Uh, next up would be Stephen. Okay. Walking through the semi-cleared streets with his head up in the sky, <laughs> a pen and paper in his hand, uh, holding it with his right, writing with his left, thinking Felix Vincent walks in stride until he bumps into Amanda. Pardon. Pardon. You're fine. Pardon me. You're fine. Can you see the inspiration in the air? Like that? Yes. When was the last time you saw a bird perched there? Yesterday. But then the shooting and all the shouting and it flew away, but now it's back. Just like Paris is back. Just yes. like love is back. Uh, love has always been here. But uh, oh, I would say there's You have the soul of a poet, yes. <laughs> we can always recognize our own. <laughs> I am no poet. <laughs> oh, please. There's poetry in writing, poetry in motion, poetry in being, and you are a poet of being. Hmm. That's one way to phrase it. And a good one, and he writes it down. <laughs> <laughs> now, Felix. Yes? Are you here to compare poetry? I, I was just going for my morning inspiration walk, and alas, my eyes took me up high, and you were down low, so I, I'm, I'm happy. If you, are you going a certain direction? I'm happy to see where this walk goes. I was heading towards my home if you wanted to accompany me. I could. Uh, I'm no fighting man, but if you'd like some accompaniment, I can, I can do that for you. Oh, I, I doubt we are in much danger in the streets. Danger, like poetry, is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and Amanda puts her arm inside of Felix's, sort of forcing him to let her, like, take his arm. Uh you you put your uh, Amanda puts uh, th their arm in his uh, right crux and he drops his book and you see the hand he goes to grab it with is scarred uh, and the fingers have almost fused together uh, and he quickly covers that back up with the book uh, with some pages of the book yes uh, that way yes I don't know mm -hmm. which this you way, you lead way. yes you're leading because mm -hmm. it is your home and. I have not been there. Now, Felix, hmm? how familiar are you with my poetry? You have never 
come to visit and see any of my poetry. No, I have have not. And good, you're using a very good poetic trick. (laughs) Metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were a poet. I, I do not partake. The moon in the sky gives me just as much joy as a friend in the bed. And he writes that down. <laughs> I am on fire today. <laughs> well, Felix, mm-hmm. you've never shared my bed. My dear citizen, my dear friend, if I may. Sure. Because it's, is it not friends who walk arm in arm? And truth be told, I have no interest. It's not that you're not lovely. It's just I like to be on the streets. I like to look up. I like the world I see and write down. Mm. Yeah. Paris is more free, but I do not think they would like me on the streets very much. <laughs> because of all the walking. Yes. <laughs> I think it's a good scene. <laughs> yeah, it just sort of pans back as Felix and Amanda just sort of walk down mm-hmm. the street, continuing to babble back and forth yes. about poetry and birds. You see, yes, his arm gestures wildly <laughs> as more birds fly over. A whole flock of them, and he's pointing every single one out. <laughs> James, you want to follow that? <laughs> yeah. Um, and Mike is on a stand. It cannot drop. <laughs> let's see. So I'll be doing a scene with, with Dominique. Who has not gone yet? Who's still got a... I think we've actually seen every character. Yeah. We've seen every character. We've had a three-person scene. Yeah. Oh, dang. You're right. In which case, I want uh, Dominique to... I, I think she's at... Uh, whatever makeshift clinic is is set up and and she's overwhelmed. Uh, who do we think would be helping her in a situation like that? Well, Josephine is, uh, I am your assistant. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and anything else is not going to make sense. So let's <laughs> do that. I, I think right now, despite uh, the fact that there, there might be blood and, and a lot of people around and pretty chaotic, it feels very bright in here. Maybe, maybe the win- there's a window that's, that's open uh, to the outer world. And we can see a lot of makeshift beds have been set up. Uh, and Dominique is sitting with a woman who, in the middle of all this chaos, is like, it, like a, maybe going to be going into labor like very, very soon. Um, and so they're making preparations despite all of the people, you know, chaotically around. Dominique turns to Josephine. Did you manage to find any fabric, any cloth? No, I, wait. And I, I reach down um, and I lift up the, my outer skirt and then, um, and then I tear off a, a piece of my petticoat. Mm. Will this do? It will have to do, though. I believe my instructors in the United States would not be pleased to see it. Yes, well, America is across the seas, ma'am. Mm, they certainly don't have their eyes here. Are you going to be here tomorrow as well? Yes, of course, ma'am. And far be it for me to say what you should or should not do, but I do believe you should sit You look like you could fall over at any moment. I am afraid that I know many people who are a fair bit worse than that. If you say so. Josephine, who else is here doing this work? You point to me the person who can take my place, and I will gladly have a seat. Well, you have taught me some of these things. I could probably do most of the basic help that these people require. And is that what we should depend on? Is, is you to know the basics or for me to know what has to be done when we have to do it? Josephine, it is not that I don't appreciate you being here. I do. You are a godsend. I need you in a time like this. And I certainly appreciate that right now your duties as an assistant to me have superseded your duties as a washer. But you don't know enough if, if this young woman, she says like 
turning to uh, the the woman who's breathing heavily. She like holds her hand and replaces a, a cold rag on her forehead. If something happens, uh, she says in hushed tones so the woman can't hear, someone who knows what must be done needs to be here to do it. Yes, ma'am, of course. I just mean you should sleep too, because if you were to fall, who else would take your place? Like you said, you're irreplaceable. I understand you are tired, and thus you cannot speak to me like an equal. But I must say that every person, no matter how trained they are and where they are, the person needs to sleep. Uh, Josephine stands up uh, and like oh yeah oh yeah I'm sorry Dominique Dominique <laughs> stands up I was looking at the one that wasn't circled for some dumb reason Dominique stands up and walks over towards uh, the window um, and I feel like it's in a way where she'd be able to look at herself in the glass and how tired she is I am sorry I didn't mean to speak to you as though you weren't an equal. And you're right, I am very tired. When all of this happened, I wasn't prepared for any of this. I know the fighting is over for for, for now, but there are so many who who talk about marching on Versailles or, or about another fight coming here. And we're still so busy dealing with injuries from their celebrations. Yes, it was rather ridiculous how Guillaume uh, fell on his face (laughs) and broke his nose. So many of the stitches that I have done over the last few days have been from drunks falling and breaking a part of their face, and so little has been from the actual fighting. Yes, but people need time to celebrate, and it is it's wondrous, ma'am. I will handle this delivery And after it is over, I will take some rest. Yes. I will grab you a bottle of wine from Marie's. Dominique puts a hand on Josephine's shoulder and and squeezes it slightly. Thank you. You're welcome. But just so you know, the bottle will be on you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's good. Fantastic. Bonjour, comrades, and welcome once more to the mid-roll. Seems like everyone in this commune's doing okay. I'm sure that's gonna last. Heroes, if you're enjoying this playthrough, I want to point out that it's available on Kickstarter right now. Red Carnations on a Black Grave launched last week, and it's already smashing through tons of stretch goals. If you're into a narrative style of play, looking for a neat way to explore history, or you just want a good cry... It's definitely something you should check out. You can learn more by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I want to remind everybody that this Wednesday, we're going to have a new episode of Campaign up on the Campaign feed. And if we're able to reach $8,500 on our Patreon by the end of the month, it will stay weekly through the month of July. It's completely normal for there to be a little fluctuation in our Patreon. And normally, once we've crossed a goal line, we don't tend to go backwards. But for weekly campaign, we actually have to pay Casey twice as much, which means for budgetary reasons, we need to be above $8,500 in order to deliver it. So if you're as excited to listen to the new episode of Campaign as I am to bring it to you, head over to Patreon and check out our different backer levels. Before we get back to the show, I'm going to take a quick moment and thank some of the backers who already support us. Spencer Warriner, thank you so much. Carly Jean, thank you. James Henderson, thank you very much. Clyde Clark, thank you. Thomas Brower, thank you so much. Beverly Jean, thank you. Christiana Ellis, thank you very much. Their name was capitalized. Chris Johnson, thank you. David Queen, thank you very much. Eric Olson, thank you. James Keen, thank you so much. Harvin Forsney, thank you. And also let me know if I got that wrong. <laughs> Sir Nee, thank you very much. Amanda O. Thank you so much. Rich underscore 27. Thank you. Nathan Hunt. Thank you so much. The Cult of Knowledge. Thank you. Tobias Duell. Thank you very much. 
and Carly Janelle Strait, thank you so much for your support. Thanks again to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We wouldn't be able to make this show, campaign, or any of the other programs on our network without your help. At the time of this recording, we are just $60 a month away from our $8,500 goal. That is just 12 new backers at the $5 level. And folks, the $5 level unlocks our secret archive full of bonus audio content from OneShot Campaign and all of the contributors on the OneShot Network. It is a treasure trove of great audio. So head on over to patreon.com slash one-shot podcast and become a supporter. With all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Ready to go on to act two? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, that does require us to have a little more homework, but... We're, we're all going to get through this together, I promise. Um, so cool. Uh, just let me do one other thing real quick. Uh, so Act 2 is April 4th to May 21st, 1871. First defeats, last defiance. The mood is grim, paranoid, and falsely confident. So uh, we have reading Stephen, Stephen, and then Adira. <laughs> On April 3rd, the National Guard and many women marched out of Paris towards Versailles. Everyone was sure the army wouldn't shoot fellow citizens. The Versailles forces had quietly recaptured forts along the way. They mercilessly cut down the marchers, executing anyone who surrendered. The commune promised to retaliate by killing hostages. The second siege of Paris had begun. The commune began to adapt to war. Every man between 18 and 40 years old had to serve in the National Guard. The uh, political police hunted for treason. Searches for men who did not report for the guard became intrusive and even violent. But when the commander called for 12,000 men to muster, fewer than 2,000 actually came. On May 9th, Fort Issy, crucial for the defense of Paris, fell after weeks of heavy fighting. The commune created a committee of public safety and gave it dictatorial powers. Meanwhile, the work of the commune continued, becoming more radical, more socialist, and more egalitarian is the final showdown room near. Fantastic. Uh, so, Adira, you can start. Uh, at the end of this act, we'll uh, have a second montage to show all our characters on the eve of the Bloody Week. I should also mention that in this act, one and only one character may die if we decide that that is necessary. It is not ever necessary, but we can do it. And, Agatha, you had something? Oh, I had a question. So we changed the scene prompt cards, right? Yes, I'm about to read those, if you'd like. So the cards that are now up are free and public courses. The Library of Montmartre offers free classes to men and women in physics, mathematics, French, and the natural sciences. Jenny Marx, the daughter of Karl Marx, head of the Communist International, arrives from London to report back to her father and the London papers on the commune. And finally... Uh, one of my favorites, Let's Kill Thiers. <laughs> a plot is hatched to go to Versailles to assassinate Adolphe Thiers, head of the Versailles government. It may be possible, if risky, for women to make the trip between the cities without being stopped. So, all that said, uh, I dare I invite you to set the scene. All right. Well, Amanda and Camille haven't been in a scene directly with each other yet. So I want at least that, I think. Plus... Let's throw in Lodowiska. All right. Well, happy family. I'm so excited. And I think this is going to be early in the time period. And the three of them are talking over dinner and sort of laughing and chatting a bit. And they have yet to discuss some things Mm -hmm. that need to be discussed. This bread is delicious. Well, we have Camille to thank for that, don't we? Yes, Mama, I found a, a better baker. I just had to go a little bit further. I, I had to go all the way down to the 10th. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of bakers there that just can't keep up the trade now that uh, so many people moved out of the city. Something about poor people taking over and they didn't like that. I don't know. Well, now we can eat rich bread. It's no difference between rich bread and poor bread. It is all our bread now. Mm. Yes, but this bread is so much better, though, don't you think? (laughs) Yes, the bread we used to eat before could take a few lessons from this bread for certain. The bread we could eat before could easily kill this bread. 
<laughs> so I haven't been seeing you sometimes, Camille. Where have you been? Well, um, you know that I, uh, I like to go out during the day after I finish my lessons, of course. And uh, I just like to see what people are doing. You know that I've always liked to see what people are doing. And um, so sometimes I go and visit Derek and, and Lodo on the fortifications. Mm-hmm. And yesterday I, I, yesterday I helped uh, Michelle and Thomas build a barricade. Um, oh, it didn't work. Well, I don't think we really knew what we were doing because it fell down. But <laughs> um, it was a good start. We learned a lot, I think. We, you know, it's like Luis always tells me. I, I tried to, I tried to pay attention to what we did that worked and what we did that didn't work. And I made some notes, and then I lost them. But I remember most of it. So, well, it's good that you are still keeping up with all of these things. Yes, uh, certainly very good. You say that you visited the barricades much. I I remember a few times that you visited before, but uh, you haven't been by very recently. I assumed that you had been keeping up with the lessons that they're doing at the library. Well, of course, I I do like to come in uh, when they talk about uh, the dinosaurs, and uh, but I've actually spent a great deal of time with uh, Citizen Tariq. Uh, he's very friendly to me. Well, it is good to know that Tariq has been so kind to you. Yes. Tariq was always friendly to me as well. I think Kami just looks puzzled about that last one and shrugs. Now, Kami, things have started to become a little dangerous. Well, yes, Mama, I, I, I know. I mean, uh, you know Jean-Pierre uh, mm-hmm. lives down on the first floor? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, his uncle and his papa, they both got captured, and we don't know what happened to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and Amanda reaches down, like, next to the table, sort of pops open a floorboard and pulls out a small pistol, and she puts it on the table, and she slides it towards Camille. Uh, Lodoiska looks a little bit uncomfortable, but doesn't say anything immediately. People do not like what we are doing here. Well, yes, Mama. Uh, that's what everyone says. But um, if they ever try and come into Paris, of course, we'll fight them. Yes. Pick it up. Oh, Kami picks it up. <laughs> <laughs> now, that is a weapon. It kills people. Killing many people say it is wrong. But in this case, we need to ignore those people. Yes, Mama. I know how to shoot this. It's clearly a copy of an American Navy revolver. You think you are an expert? Tariq says I'm learning a lot. Mm, Yes. I see. That is what I expected. Well, I do not want you out there in the field. You know that Tariq and I will be making sure that no one comes in. But should the worst thing happen, this is to defend our home. I'm not afraid to fight, Lodoiska. It is not a question of fear. It is a question of following orders. This is why you are not on the wall with Tariq and me, because you are not yet a soldier. You are not old enough to do what you are told. And if you can handle this responsibility, then maybe you will be a citizen fighting side by side with me. Do you understand? Lodoiska, I know that you suffered in Poland. I know you don't like to talk about it. This is not about her. It is all right. I fought for Paris because I believe in what we are doing. I fought in Poland because I believe what we are doing. But I have seen what happens when the other side regroups and fights back. I have seen what happens to the people on the front lines, and I will not have you be one of those people. I don't want to sit at home when this happens. Should I not be out there with, with, with my friends, my comrades? Amanda reaches her hand out across the table towards Kimi, not quite reaching all the way. I need you here with me, the commune needs you. You're the future. And I was never a good shot anyways. 
<laughs> All right, Mama. But then it's more necessary than ever for me to go and spend more time with Tariq, I think. Amanda sort of sighs and goes, yes, I guess. Ludowiska, I think, gets up and announces to the room, I'm going to smoke and walks out the front door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's, we're a happy family. We're a happy family. <laughs> no tensions at all. Yeah. <laughs> Coming this fall on CBS. <laughs> I appreciate you throwing me under the bus multiple times this conversation. <laughs> yeah, no problem. <laughs> well, you're going under a bus. <laughs> oh. Oh dear. Oh dear. You poor communards with your messy personal lives. Let's go. <laughs> I think I'd like to see Louise, Dominique, and Felix. And I think this is late at night. They're sort of sitting in Marie's uh, wine shop. It's kind of actually technically closed, but they kind of just are sitting there anyway, because they've all just sort of walked in from all their busyness. I like having the two quasi political characters plus felix who's you know some sort of socialist <laughs> the most socialist. <laughs> uh, yes i'm well aware comrade <laughs> and um Not a socialist a social socialist yes <laughs> yes <laughs> um, so yeah i think they're just sort of sitting there maybe there's like this moment where there's been some silence and then louise just looks up at dominique and says so, I read your requisition the other day that you required more uh, lint for bandages, and we're doing what we can. There's a shortage of everything. I'll be frank with you, citizen. In linens, I do not ask for much. That is the least of the requests that I could make. I would give you all the morphine I could, uh, if it could be found. I understand that morphine is not easy to come by. I am asking for clean cloth. If we're taking orders for morphine, put me down for some as well. And (sighs) Felix is considerably drunk. (laughs) That reminds me, citizen. While I appreciated the erudition of the Latin that you used in the story we tried to print yesterday, Mm -hmm. I would remind you, I would remind you uh, first. You got the subjunctive wrong. Second. That's where the poetry comes in. That's why some words are capitalized and some aren't. It's all. Second, citizen. We are trying to publish a paper for the people. Mm -hmm. I would would invite you to please use plain French. Plain French. Oh, come now. Plain French. French. How are people to learn the, the words of poetry that, that Felix is inclined to use if they never read it in their papers? Right. Thank you for coming to my defense. I was going to ask you to do it. So, Citizens, now, trust me, I do not have any disregard for the poetic arts. As you know, I write my own poetry. As you know... Let's hear I one! Am... Let's hear one. Poetry off. <laughs> Citizen, I'm I have nothing you, you, to give I'm, but my poetry. You have more than that to give, Felix. I'm not giving my life, if that's what you're asking. I have not demanded that yet, but it may come to. Let us not think about that. It is. I don't like your tone. It's nothing worse for an old school teacher than to suddenly be disappointed with her students ten years on. Felix, Where come now. Where we lay the blame, then? If you are the one who had taught me, and I am disappointing you, then, Dominique, where do we lay the blame? <clears throat> Felix, I admire you. You, you know this. You, you are a dear friend to me. And you don't have a reputation for being much of a laborer beyond your dedication to the arts. But I do see you digging a substantial hole that could very well end up being your grave. See, I'm responding to this, Louis, because that was poetry. (laughs) 
I'm not literally digging a hole, but metaphorically. <laughs> I don't really go in for this sort of modern stuff. Oh, then give me the some, student has become the teacher. Give me some good plain Victor Hugo. <laughs> Hugo? More like... Uh, uh, mm. I'll have you know that Citizen wait, Hugo wait, is wait, a I, great I'm, defender of the revolution. So. Uh, it's more like Victor, Victor Hugo, more like... He'll get there. More like, do, go, Hugo, go. Do, do, we, do we have time to wait for him to get there? I said it, we, it's, it's more like Victor Hugo, go away. I but have I, nothing to do without gauze i can't oh, treat oh, injuries so and i can't fire any sort of weapon with this mangled palm of mine oh mangled palm of mine is a good i need paper oh felix. Where did I put my paper? felix mm. why is this the first that i've seen of this oh and he covers up his he, he was wearing a, a cape-esque thing but to the side and he covers it up it's an old wound my friend it's an old wound, and you need to focus on new hurts. But that's good. That's good. Even, even if it is old, I am sorry. I take your concern, and I chase you. And he downs his glass. The may, time may yet come, citizens, when simply the ability to stand arm in arm and block the bullets from hitting more tender targets will be a virtue that this republic will require, but let us hope it does not come to that. Mm, it seems to be the primary strategy these days. If we're called to stand to die, then let us get so drunk tonight that we lay down. Dominique, tomorrow, go and draw a corporal's guard from, from the National Guard and go down into... Go down into, uh, oh, let's go to the ninth. We haven't raided them in a while. Go down there and inform the, inform the good bourgeois citizens of the city that they are required to give their utmost devotion to their commune and then take from any of these rich bastards who have silken drapes, take their drapes and make them into bandages. And if they have any complaints, they may come to me in Montmartre if they will, and they won't. And they will look great at a party with silken drapes as bandages. I, yes, Felix. They think that only harpies and cannibals live up here anyway, so if they come up here, tell them that the harpies and the cannibals will feast upon them. Well then, Felix, I do think I will join you as... It appears the wounds that I dress will be the best-dressed wounds in all of Paris. <laughs> That's a bore. <laughs> uh, to that I can drink. <laughs> I think I think that scene. Okay. Great. <laughs> I will like the pattern if we do this to set Jean and Jean only does scenes with Josephine. So... Let's do that again. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been a pattern, but no, we're now. A pattern now, yes. Got it. I have my druthers, which, please, let me have my druthers. Uh, <laughs> Give the man some druthers. <laughs> I just need some druthers. I'm moving so soon. I need druthers. Um, I would like to do that. I think it's in, set in our home. Uh, Josephine is there uh, doing whatever you'd like to be doing. Um, so if you have something in mind, if you want to set that, and then Jean is going to come through the door uh, in, a, in a mood. Interesting. Okay, so when you, co when you come in, uh, what you will see is that uh, Josephine is uh, very hurriedly trying to stuff things into a bag, and then she, when she hears the sound of you opening the door, then she quickly hides it behind her. Okay. The door kind of slams open, and he, he, you see your husband, who had been so tender a couple months ago, now uh, with just any chance of light is out of his eyes, and he is almost never seen without his uniform on now, and he 
comes in and he does not pay any mind to you. He is also on the hunt for something. He's looking for something in the, in the house. Why are we moving everything all the time? Where is, where, where is my pistol? Where I, I put it and he's, he's moving things around glasses, things that there, there's no reason for stuff to be put there. What did you lose, Sean? I, I lost my pistol. I, my rifle jammed. I need my pistol. I have something to take care of. I need, I just need my sidearm. I just need it. Where is it? Did I leave it underneath the bed? And he goes and he, and, and he doesn't, he lifts the mattress off the bed and flips that in the room. Where is it? Yeah, uh, at this point, Josephine has, she's actually still holding on to her bag. uh, And she has now walked up to the doorway and is kind of leaning against the doorframe and looking at you. What do you need the pistol for? Without looking back, I need to take care of the things I need to take care of. I see. I don't mean to be obtuse with you. I just... I don't want you, I don't want your name on a list like the names I've been given. Jean, I have signed up to, to go to Versailles. Please don't do that. Why not? And you see him crumple down to his knees. Because I can't bear to lose you. Oh, Jean. I walk in uh, a couple of steps, but I don't touch you. Jean, this... Look at you. You're falling apart in front of me. And I believe. I I believe in our cause. Of course I do. I can't... I can't not. With people in pain, crying all the time, in the clinics. This is all for something. I know that. But if I can help put an end to this sooner than I should. And I am a woman, Jean. And a woman can get past people because people see us as weak. That's why I need to do this. If I can kill, or I don't need to, but if I can help. What do you, if you could kill? If I can help kill. kill. No, what do you think I'm doing this for? Why do you think I'm doing this at all? For France. For you! There's no France without you. There's no sunrise without you. Everything that I have done, everything that I will have to force myself to forget from now on until my last day, which seems like it's coming closer and closer, has been all to protect you. And then you're going to throw that away and go right to the barrel of the gun? Sean, I'm... I'm your wife. I'm not your child. If you can protect me, I can protect you too. I'm just as much a child of the revolution as you are. There's a clench in his jaw. He puts his fist down onto the floor to stand. And he stumbles. (sighs) And for the first moment, you see that there's a little bit red on his jacket. I rush forward. Sean, what? You're injured. I'm fine. No, you're injured. My pistol, and then everything, at least today, will be done. No. And I push you until you're sitting on the bed. He stands up and gets right in your face. Sean, you are injured. And you're not going anywhere. Let me take a look at this. He tries to push past you. I... (laughs) Uh, I think I I take a small knife that I have on me and I oh you're still wearing your uniform I take the edge of whatever uniform jacket question mark thing that you're wearing Uh and I tear off a strip of it so you're going to stab me I have no more cloth so this will do then take it take it all take I've given you everything else and he starts sit down Jean take his jacket off and he throws it on the ground. He takes I don't want your adventure. stupid jacket. I want to treat your wound. Jean, please. With him stripped down like this, how bad does the wound look? It's so, it, what looked like might have just been like 
a nick is almost the entirety of his right side is red and it's that darker red so it's been bleeding for a little bit all right i reached for it and again with my handy knife i'm i'm going to have to cut your shirt because i can't remove it otherwise <laughs> okay oh, please just please all right i i won't go just sit please he sits on the floor he looks up to you and it's not his eyes it's a, it's it's a child's eyes and all they are saying to you is i'm so afraid and i think we pull out of the home through the window scene <laughs> uh so so james uh you get to you get to go on after that so that's Oh, yeah. Luriska and Tariq need to talk. So sorry, <laughs> Agatha. You're back in it. Woo. All the confrontations. Great. Great, great, great. So I think this is kind of up on the walls. Mm-hmm. And it's it's later at night. Like, like, this is clearly a night watch shift. Yep. And Tariq Eagle Eyes is looking out in, in the usual way, you know, attentive, but also kind of bored because you're always in that tension of boredom and stress. How are the walls tonight, citizen? Loisco, I could ask you. You've been sitting here for with me for quite a while now. There is something we need to discuss. All right. Speak. You know that Camille has been entertaining fantasies. <laughs> fantasies. He is 12. Almost a man. But not a man. Tell me, Lodoisco, what makes a person a man? I know more than you, Tariq. Do you know? Tell me, Tariq, what makes a man a soldier? We have been in this guard, you and I, have we not? We've served together. We serve together as citizens now. But what have you actually seen? You've seen the cowardly bourgeoisie move out of the city at the first sign of trouble. You have not seen the worst this will be. You have not seen as bad as we both know it will get. There are no lights coming from Versailles right now, but they will be. And when they do, I will not have Camille on the front lines. Lodoviska. If we were in a different time, in a different place, then of course, you may decide what you want with the child, but you can't protect him. But I will not throw him to the wolves. You have no right to do that. And you do? I am not throwing him to the wolves. I am saying that someone should be at home with his mother. <laughs> Who are 12. you to this boy? You have so many opinions. You disagree with mine. Who are you to this boy? I am who I am. That is not an answer. I am a citizen, and I will give you my answer. What makes a man a soldier? <laughs> Nothing. Anyone can die at any time. If they so much as believe something, they, they are a soldier. If you believe a soldier's job is to die, then you are as worthless as all of those men who got drunk on the first night and hurt themselves and have done nothing but sit around and talk about the glories of the revolution and not lifted a finger to do any of the work that is required to keep the republic. A soldier's job is not to die. It is to defend if you think that Camille might die just as well on the front lines as he would at home holding a pistol in front of his mother, then you'd know nothing of what is good for this boy or what is good for this city, what is good for this republic. And you know, and I don't. Yes, because, because I have seen it. I have seen it fall because apart Because you are before. French and I am not. Is that what this is? Because that's not what your name implies. 
And nor am I. I am not. We are fighting together for this cause, and so is that child, because he chooses this life. And I respect him for choosing that life. If you cannot respect it, that is your problem. You may say anything you want about me. That is fine. Your words are yours. But you cannot stop him. And I will not stop him. Because if he believes, then he is a part of this revolution. I thought I would come to you as a comrade. And you are a comrade. I, I would talk to you as one might talk to an equal who could be respected. You but have I, not respected me at any point in this conversation. You no, said I am. I do not respect you. I do not respect you because you treat the fantasies of a child as, as something worth getting killed over. What that do you is, know about what is a fantasy? What do you believe of this revolution? Because these I are have words. Seen a revolution collapse before. I have seen what has happened to the bright-eyed children who stood on the front lines, and I will not have it happen again. I will not have it happen here in Paris. And if what I need to do to remove these fantasies from his head is remove you from his life, I will not hesitate to do that. You cannot do that. I will not allow it. You are not strong enough to stop me. He is not your child. He is mine. So, this is what you believe? He was not your child before the revolution. He was not your child when he was born. He was not your child when Amanda was hungry. But he is your child now? Why? Because you have you a suspicion? You do not know of what was happening before. I don't need to have this conversation with you, Lodoiska. If you want to impose your own experiences on this child, you can. That is what a parent does. <laughs> if I hear that you talk to the child again, we will what have... What will you wounds. do? You will kill me? If it comes Remove to Remove a soldier from this revolution? Loriska, you have lost your way. You do not understand what is important anymore. I have said my piece. And I think that's that, folks. Yeah. Mm. That was great. Ba -da -ba -da -ba. <laughs> Metaphor. <laughs> well heroes that's it for one shot this week but don't worry we'll be back next week with more red carnations on a black grave in the meantime be sure to check out one of the other amazing shows on the one shot network like backstory backstory is a cozy thoughtful interview show featuring the most fascinating folks in role-playing join host alex roberts as she gets to know game designers larp rights scholars community organizers and more from emerging artists to seasoned veterans, guests open up about their creative process, what keeps them engaged, and their visions for the future of role-playing. As always, we end one shot with a call to action, and this week, well, the world is generally bad, and the only way it gets better is if you do something about it. Those things can be small. It is exhausting trying to go full tilt all the time fixing every problem. And folks, I know that sometimes it feels overwhelming just trying your best. That's why with our calls to action, we recommend small steps. And something you can do without using any money or taking up much of your time is calling your representatives. Politicians make choices based on what they think their constituents want. And one of the ways you can directly inform your representatives about what you want is by calling them directly. Now, when I call my reps, I use a site called fivecalls.org. That's the number five, calls.org. There you can find an extensive list of issue summaries along with the contact information for your representatives and a script to read while you're on the phone so you get your message across. You can even call up your representative with a long list of issues that you care about just to stay on top of them. Believe me, every little bit helps. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at Facebook.com slash OneShotPod, or look for news on the site at OneShotPodcast.com. 
If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. One Shot is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at P-A-R-A-C-O-S-M-Press.com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. Heroes.